Welcome. This is jazz, just the way we like it. My name is Alfonso Severos, and this is my weekly jazz podcast, recorded live at Brick Arts in downtown Brooklyn, the People's Republic of Brooklyn. We play those classic jazz songs of the 1950s, the 60s, and the 70s, and now and then we play some of the modern stuff. We also discuss politics and social issues. We play songs I listened to as a young man. And here I am now playing them for your pleasure. And also to introduce to a new generation that original, fabulous American art form known as jazz. I'm in the studio with my co-host and longtime friend, 60 years, tell you something about our ages, uh, Lawrence Williams. Hey, Larry, brother. How you doing? All right. What's up, Al? Nothing, man. Another podcast, brother. Hey, that's what it is. <laughs> yeah, time is moving, man. Time yeah. is moving. Yes. This should be a pretty good one, brother. But before we jump into the podcast, Larry, you know, we always kick it off with a, a song, a poem, or something that addresses the issue of social justice. And uh, we're going to continue that by playing a piece that is a little different from the stuff we usually play. Uh, but this is the only one rap group that I know and the only rap group that I really like because the only one I know the words to. Um uh, and that's uh, uh, the one and only public enemy. <laughs> and this is their piece, man. Fight the power. Fight the power. Yet our best trained, best educated, best equipped, best prepared troops refuse to fight. Matter of fact, it's safe to say that they would rather switch than fight. Self-defense of fitness. Don't rush the show. You got 
Okay, talk to me about the future of Public Enemy. That's Public Enemy uh, with Chuck D in the 1989 recording of "Fear of uh, Fight the Power on the Fear of a Black Planet uh, album. You know, they did that video. They shot it in Brooklyn uh, for this song, man. It was uh, something else. But this is the one, my one rap song, brother, that I can relate to, that I know, you know, and I, I think... Uh, this song sort of changed the rap business in terms of uh, the co- recording company and the executives. After this came out, them guys were saying, well, you know, uh, this had to go underground, man. We're not playing that. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't think like a lot of the radio stations were willing to play this this uh, particular song. Uh, the, the, uh, the members of that group are all New York City guys, Bronx, uh, Queens. I think Chuck D is from Queens. Uh, and uh, uh, the guy with the big clock, clock. I big don't know clock. his name. Uh, 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 Flavor Flav uh, is up from the Bronx on or Manhattan. I'm not sure which one of the two. Uh, but the group was pretty controversial in its time, and uh, um, they had some problems with the. <laughs> With the record company because well, of, yeah, because well, of the words because of that and and they weren't used to uh, rap groups either talking about I I don't know maybe in the eighties they weren't quite so much talking about wealth no, and that stuff no the the when this came out you know and and well rap was originally focusing on social issues and social problems well from, from if you take the beginning. last poet if you take no it. no no the, the rap groups when they first came out okay. And then record companies, you know, uh, sort of began to switch and say, if you want this record to happen, you have to include, you know, more violence, more gangs, more sexuality and all that kind of stuff. Okay. So, But I, I think like the original, I mean, the original guys, was it was a party thing. It was like, you know. Well, it was party it was, and social issues. You know, yeah. if you look at the one of the original rap songs rap is the light yeah they're talking about the bronx and the right. issues in the bronx yeah i have to listen to that again because yeah. i always thought that 
Rapper's Delight was something that you party to. You can party to it, but if Cause you Because I've always to, liked, liked yeah. the music, but I never get, got into the no, words. No, if you listen to the words, they're definitely talking about the tenements, the rats, everything uh, in oh, the Bronx. Oh, okay, okay. And, and Chuck D, man, I, I've always been a fan of him. He used to, had a, for a period of time, had a radio show on BAI. Uh-huh. And I used to enjoy listening to him. That's, that's the extent of my rap knowledge. But, um... You know, uh, I wanted to play that because we never play rap on, you know, yeah, yeah, on this yeah, podcast. But, but you know, so now, now, now we did. And uh, you want to get another guy that had really talked about social issues was, uh, um, oh man, her, her. Okay, I can't think of it. Okay, well, when you think of it, yeah, let me know. Yeah. All right, let's get to the uh, question of uh, uh, before we get into the music, folks, because this is going to be a a, a pretty pretty significant uh, podcast, but uh, let's look at the social issue question. And you know, we always address this, uh, and have a little discussion on some social issue. Last time we talked about uh, the crisis in the Middle East, and we want to continue that about the crisis in the Middle East, especially in light of Biden's trip. So let me let me pose this question, Larry: Do you think Biden's trip? Did enough? Was it significant? Was it a game changer? Or she he not have done it at all? I I think that uh, it's a show of of solidarity with uh, uh, with with Israel um, and um, I I don't think it was. I mean, I don't think it was necessary for him to go over there. I don't think that that, that it helped matters at all because if he didn't go over there to try to broker some type of peace between the two groups, I I mean, it's already known that we support Israel. And I don't see that that was, uh, that was just, you know, just reaffirming something that, that, that happens with this country in terms of, in terms of our politics. Um, but I don't know if it's going to, you know, I don't know if it's going to ch- change the situation. Uh, what it did, though, I think it prevented Israel or at least uh, stopped them temporarily from invading Palestine. Not Palestine. Uh, the, the, I mean, Gaza. Um, Gaza. I'm, not, I'm sorry, not Palestine, but Gaza. It temporarily uh Stop them from doing that, and there's the English prime ministers coming over, and that may also uh, stop them from uh, attacking at this point. Okay. The thing that <clears throat> the thing that gets me is that people who are in favor of of the attack on on Gaza are talking about extermination. They use the word extermination as if it's it's something that should be talked about. When you're talking about putting down um, a a country, you're not talking about exterminating all the people. Maybe you're talking about Mm -hmm. eliminating uh, that particular, um, or you're trying to eliminate that particular group of people from attacking you. Extermination to me is what happened um, with the Jews in terms of a genocide. I don't think that's really what they want to do. I don't know if that's really what. They may really want to do that. 
But if you're talking about extermination, you're talking about genocide. Yeah. I um, I see Biden's trip a little differently. I, I, I have problems with his blind support for Israel because okay. it negates the, the, the issues and the, and the struggles uh, and uh, of that whole group of, of people in, in Gaza and in the is the uh, Arab uh, the Arab nation in, in general so I have some some very much uh, some some issues with him and him so blunt bluntly very quickly accused the uh, the, uh, the 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 uh, Gaza group for that atrocity of that misfiring of, of the missile that hit the hospital. All that's still up in the air. There's no 100% proof on one way or another, but he took that position. And, and for when a superpower like the United States takes such a strong position, it separates everything. It leaves very little room for negotiation. Um, I don't think he accomplished that much, this idea of uh, they're going to allow... You know, you had 12 days in which 6,000 bombs were, were, were dropped in Gaza. Gaza has a population of little between two to two and a half million people in which 50% are children and women. He talked about that. You have all those people, and it's a fact that those buildings that were bombed, there were people in them, and they do not have the means to dig those people out. Uh and you had not only that, you had the cutoff of water, supplies, uh, food for 12 days. And he opened up a little bit with Egypt to allow 20 trucks to go through. And that's like a, 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 a drop in the ocean. You're talking about over 2 million people. Uh, he could have did much more, much more. And they are going to invade Gaza. The plan is clear. They want to push those folks out, take over half of Gaza, and then incorporate it into Israel. Uh, And that's what they've been doing. And these are the same people who were pushed out in 1948. They're parents, and now they're being pushed out now. And the international community is doing very, very, very little. So I, I, I thought that he could have went over there with a much more open mind and, it's, and uh, not so close in terms of blind support for Israel with very little comments about the suffering. Forget Hamas, but the suffering of 99% of those people in Gaza in which half of them are children and women. Uh, and he didn't say much about that. Well, I agree. He didn't say much, but he did say something. Uh, He didn't totally. uh, It's the most powerful nation on the planet. Just say something is is BS. You know, you just can't deny that. But what is he going to? He got everything he can do, Larry. This man, we, we give four billion a year in arms to Israel. They have no arms without us. Right. True. True that. We can negotiate and demand any kind of settlement, and they would have to do it. I don't know. I don't know about that. I, I, they've, they've always, Israel has always negotiated from a, um, it should be a, a weaker point, but they've always been able to get what they want. That's because they always had the backing of the United States of America. Right, okay. Without that, it's a different ball game. 
And it's not so much Israel getting what they want. It's about, you know, equal treatment in this. Yes, Hamas was wrong and, and, and they have a right to retaliate. But how, what does that mean and how many people have to die? How many bombs have to be dropped? What is that? What's the equivalent of this retaliation? They're not stopping. No, I, I agree. They're, they're not going to stop. They're, like I said, they're temporarily going to stop until the— No, they're uh, still bombing. I'm not. I'm saying that they haven't. They haven't gone in there the way that they they're, they're talking about going in there with with troops and going house to house to house they to will. house. They will. I know it's going to happen, and it just has not happened yet. Yeah. Well, in between the time that it's going to happen and happen, there can be some negotiations that are going on. It should have been. It should have been. And the president had a great opportunity to do that, but he did not. He chose not to. He chose to go in there and side at 100% with Israel. And I'm not saying this, this. If that was his choice, fine, but recognize the suffering and the others on the other side. That population is not Hamas. I agree. That population so, is so not So you don't, can't treat a, a whole city, a whole population... Collective punishment. This collective punishment. That's insane. And you said the president of the United States can't speak to the issue of collective punishment, especially when it includes women and children. I have a major, major problem with that. You know, uh, Biden keeps a foreign policy that's that's locked into the 1980s and the 1970s. He's doing the same thing with uh, with Ukraine. You know, now he's proposing boking the funding money for both Ukraine and Israel together in a hundred billion dollar a year package. That's his next proposal before Congress. Come on. Come on. Uh, but uh, some of those funds are supposed to go to, to uh, Palestine. As no, well. this is Israel's funding. There's no Palestine in it. They're not in that equation. They're not in that level of that equation for the federal funding. I thought that there was supposed to be some humanitarian funds that were supposed to be designated for no. the Palestinian people. No. That's not in, the, in there at all. Not in the United States. Not in that. Here's the thing, Larry. The more they push the, 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 the population out of Gaza and, and force the other country and they know what they're doing they're trying to force jordan they're trying to force egypt to take that population in there and jordan and egypt know once they take them in they are going to take over that land and there's no going back and that's part of their strategy why do they think they're forcing them like that forcing them to move they're going to incorporate that into israel that's the you know the bottom plan it's all about land yeah you know, and both of them, Ukraine and this conflict in the Middle East, is about land. And, uh, well, man, I get so too excited for this stuff. Larry. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I just was very disappointed with Biden, but I sort of knew where his head's at. But it's, it's kind of, it's, Biden has a hard position because 
either we, you, you support a country or you don't support no, it. No, not necessarily. Nobody says that's the, that has to be the rule. You can split your support. You can speak on the, the issues on both sides. I thought he did to a certain extent. No. But I don't, I don't, I don't no. think that he did. He may I mean, not then have most of the commentators. He may, he may not have been as forceful as what you may have thought, but I thought he did address the fact no. that, that, that there was some wrong that was done by Israel in terms of, of how they uh, they were treating the Palestinians. I thought that was one of the things, one of his positions. Yeah, he did, he did, but he could have did much more. He did. He, this is the yeah, president to of the United to, States. To, I, I I don't know. I don't. I mean, like I said, my my thing is this: I support you either I support you or I don't. No, that's not. Well, that's not the way. You know, I don't I think mean, diplomacy can work many different ways. It you can. don't have to be an either or. Can, you know, you can't can. see the world either or. It's all about some kind of compromise in between. It's all about both sides, taking into consideration of both sides. And that's how government operates, and, and that's the way it needs to be. It's not either or. Either or is that old thinking, communist, capitalist, this or that. But, but You have to take in consideration of both. And I don't think he took in much consideration for the people of God, so that's my point. You may you may be right with that. I don't. I don't. I. I but I. I think that he attempted. Maybe it's. Maybe it was kind of loose. It should have been stronger. <clears throat> maybe it was kind of weak. Rather, probably should have been stronger, as you indicated. But I did think he made an attempt to uh, uh, to say something about it. If not, if not to, um, he didn't. He didn't totally endorse what was happening by Israel. That's what I. That's what I thought was going on, but I may be wrong. Well, well, you know, we'll see where things go. I don't expect. I. I don't think it's much of a help to send twenty trucks in with supplies uh, for two million people. How the hell are they going to manage that and control that in a in a place where there is no government? Right. There's no systems. There's no structure in place. But no, we'll oh, I, 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 yeah, I, you got a valid point. I, I, I'm curious as to where they were getting food and supplies before this happened. They, they, had, well, they had, um, they had not only had foreign aid, but they did their own. They had a country, right? Just like we have a country, they had stores and and products and things that they had a country, right? They dropped six thousand bombs. All that's gone. Okay, okay. All the structures are gone. The ability to elect the, the sanitary system, the water system, the sewage system, it's all gone. Okay. Okay. So it's nothing, you know, they, they wiped it out. That That's a city the size of Philadelphia, the Gaza. Okay. And you imagine dropping 6,000 bombs on Philadelphia? Yeah. What will be left, Larry? Nothing. Okay. Ain't much left there. 6,000 bombs in 12 days on a city in which 50% of the population are women and children. Yeah. Now, they're not Hamas soldiers. Right. That's my point. That's what he needs to address and make clear. You have a right to defend yourself, but you don't have a right to hold a whole group of people collectively who had no input in, the, in this atrocity guilty and make them suffer. This is not new. 
it's not new. Whether it's new or old, that's what he should address. I'm just saying. Yeah. The U.S. has been involved in that. Yes. Since well, World War Two. Well, I just wanted you, you know, know when they when they do things, U.S. is do uh, it will do it. Yeah, I, I'm clearly aware of this. Every, I'm talking regardless about, of collateral yeah. damage. Don't, I'm just talking about what I thought the president in this case should, should have, have done. done. Yeah, and there's going to be a lot of opposition. This is not going to just fly over. You got opposition like going crazy in Israel about the role in which Israel is taken. You got opposition and protests around the world. So this is going to increase. And you better believe it becomes now an issue on the campaign. And you better not let any major tragedy happen to the population of Palestine. Under this president, Donald Trump and every other Republican will jump on it like it's, you know, the, the biggest thing uh, since yesterday. Yeah. So it's it's now an American political issue when he goes in there and makes a strong statement on one side. I don't see him making a statement he on the other that. side. He I did that. Yeah. Well, whether you do or not, most people would say he supported, he came out and clearly supported Israel. They're, they're allies. Well, well, that's not the point. I'm trying to make the point of the consequences. You know, allies by how? You know, you know. So we so we supply them. That Not doesn't supply, because we, we allies. Them. If someone's an ally, it doesn't mean they can't do a wrong. I'm That's the point. That. I'm not saying that. I'm okay. just I'm just saying that we support them. Then we have to point out when they when they do a wrong. We're talking about the possibility of crimes against humanity, which oh, they sure. accuse Hamas of doing. Yeah. And and they seem to be in the process of doing. So we have more than an obligation of being an ally. We have a moral obligation. That's my opinion. Okay, Larry, <laughs> we gotta cut this off and keep moving. Yeah. Um, well, folks, let's let's get to some jazz. That took a little longer, but that's such an important issue today. Um, today's show was about two giants in jazz. Man, these guys are made their name, Yuma Sakila and Eddie Harris. Yuma Sakila is considered the father of, of South African jazz. Man, he's not only considered the father of South African jazz, his music rotated so much around social activism. And Eddie Harris, every Eddie Harris was an innovator. He brought in that electric sax into jazz. Uh, too fabulous. And we have a number of pieces we want to play or we're going to start off with a piece by Eddie Harris that was done in 1967 that had uh, called The Electrifying Eddie Harris and this is when he came out with that electric saxophone so the piece is called Listen Here
That's Eddie Harris. Listen here. Recorded in 1967 with Eddie Harris on the electrified tenor sax, Les McCann on piano, Melvin Jackson on the bass, and Billy Hart on the drums. How'd you like that, Larry? That's beautiful, man. Oh, man. He, I, I mean, when he first came out with uh, that electric sax, uh, I think it was Silver Cycles was the name of the mm-hmm. album, the first album that he came out with. It. Man, I, I, I've dug him ever since, you know, ever since. And... Uh, Les McCann on the piano. Oh, he's just tickling those those uh, uh, the notes that he's playing. It's just beautiful to hear that. I mean, just the group itself. But Eddie, man, he just he goes off, man. Takes you into another world. Yeah, uh, man. Do I remember this in 1967? Man, I was a college student living in the Marcy Projects. Man, the world was going upside down. I was part of that going upside down. But I can always come home to my little stereo and play my little albums. And this was one I used to listen to quite a bit with Eddie Harris. And I remember Silver Cycle, the uh, first one that he came out with, the Electrified. But this one also got to be very popular in terms of the popular charts. So a lot of people who weren't necessarily into jazz listen to this piece. <clears throat> That's uh, Eddie Harris, man. And, uh, oh, um, and Al, I, I remember the name of the guy that uh, I was talking about when you get a chance to check out is KRS. One O N. Oh yeah, I know who that is. Yeah, very. He, he talks a lot about yeah. social issues as yeah. well. Yeah, KRS. Yeah, I'm familiar with his stuff. Um, all right, folks. T- today is uh, we're 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 doing Eddie Harris and You Masakila, and uh, that was that was our first uh, recording there of Eddie Harris in this 1967 piece. Listen here, and now Mr. You Masakila. The father of Afri- South African jazz, man. And I got a lot of respect for this man. Uh, but his, probably his biggest hit, financially speaking, was done in 1968. Uh, and this was played all over the radio. And it was a commercial success. It was from his... Promise of the Future album, Grazing in the Grass. You, Masakila.
That's you, my tequila, uh grazing in the grass, recorded in 1968. Larry? Yeah, that's beautiful. Uh, he has such a unique sound. Uh, I always enjoy listening to him. Um, he was married to Miriam McKeeba at one point, um, and uh, she was a beautiful uh, African singer. I loved her music as well. Yeah, yeah, I know, I remember. I know when, when this first came out in 1968, man, I didn't like it because I thought, you know, for a South African, this guy should have been doing something much more than talking about grazing in the grass with the height of apartheid. Uh, and I thought that this was, you know, hey, this is just a commercial artist. But I was so wrong because I remember at that time, man, I used to go to a, quite a few demonstrations around South Africa at the U.N. and other places. But that's because I only was listening to in the radio was only playing this song by him. True, true. But he had other stuff. Most of his other stuff was anti-apartheid. Yeah. Only later on did I, it, and when I started listening to uh, expanding my, my range of music by Yuma Sakila, did I, did I find out about the other stuff and learn to appreciate him deeply. Because he, his, his stuff, and we're going to play some of that later on, uh, was out there, you know. But that's Grazing in the Grass, which was a commercial success for you, Masakila, in 1968. And in fact, it was the record that, 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 that most people for the first time rec- heard him and sort of say, oh, yeah, this guy's South African, you know, trumpet and clarinet, I mean, a, a clarinet player. And uh, he can play it. He can play it. All right, folks, we're talking about you, Masakila, and Eddie Harris. So let's go back to Eddie Harris on a, on a piece done in 1969. You know, this is like a progression. We did a 1967 with, with, with Eddie Harris, listen here, 1968 with Yuma uh grazing in the grass. And now we're going to jump to 1969. Man, these were, these were like powerful years in this country for a lot of folks. Uh, this is a piece done called Cold Duck Time. Eddie Harris. Cold Duck Time, recorded in 1969 at a jazz festival in Switzerland with Eddie Harris, Les McCann, and Benny Bailey on trumpet. Enjoy. Come on! Whoa, no, that's not Cold Duck. I'm sorry. I got the wrong one up. Uh, Whoa. Hold on, folks. Well... I thought I had cold duck, but obviously I don't have cold duck. I might have got rid of cold duck, so I'm going to go to skip ahead to Yuma Sakila and uh, a piece that he did called uh, Mandela, Bring Him Back Home. Uh, And, of course, this is talking about Nelson Mandela before he was released from prison. Let's just uh, skip ahead and listen to you, uh, Masakila, on Mandela. Bring him back home.
You must kill Mandela. Bring back Nelson Mandela. Bring him back home. Uh, Larry, how you like that, man? That was beautiful again, man. That, hey, can't go no wrong by listening to him, man. And that is so, it's like, uh, you know, it just has a like an African type of exactly. flavor to it. It's that African a, rhythm. Yeah. He, what was so good about him, he played that jazz trumpet and jazz coronet. Over an African beat and rhythm. Yes. He kept true to that South African, South African roots. Yes, he and did. And it comes across in his music, man. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, and then, you know, that was a powerful song. He did two big anti-apartheid songs. One was Soweto Blues, and the other one was this, Bring Him Back Home. Uh, but he, he, you know, he stayed true to his causes and roots. He was banned from South Africa. You know, him and Mary McKeever. Yeah, yeah, both of them. Yeah. Both of them were banned. Yeah. Here's the funny thing about Mary McKeever most people don't realize. She was banned from South Africa, came to the United States, performed, got involved, uh, had a few marriages, but ended up with Stokey Carmichael and yes. supporting the Black Panthers and was banned from the United States. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I didn't realize that. I didn't realize that. Oh, happened. yeah, yeah. Mary McKeever was banned in the older age. When she got older, yeah, they banned her. She had to, so her and Carmichael um, I know moved to Carmichael. Ghana. Oh, yeah, okay. And that's where, where, where you know, hey. But that was you, Masakila. He was born in 1939, folks, and he passed in 2018 in uh, Johannesburg, South Africa. And he was well respected in South Africa and still is. Still is, man. And he was, you know, he used his talent to uh, speak to this issue of social justice. Okay, I know as I said, I was going to play Cold Duck by Eddie Harris, but he had a little technical difficulties on my part. Sorry about that. But we'll get to that. But let's play another Eddie Harris piece, man, called, uh, this is called Freedom Jazz Dance. Freedom Jazz Dance. Uh, this is an Eddie Harris piece. Uh that has a nice little lineup with, with Billy Higgins, Cedar Walton, uh, Ray Carrington, and Ron Carter. So uh, 
sit back and, and enjoy this freedom jazz dance. Eddie Harris.
African Jazz Dance with Eddie Harris on uh, tenor sax, Billy Higgins on the drums, Cecil Walton on the piano, Ray Carrington on the trumpet, and Ron Carter on the bass guitar. Wow, how'd you like that piece? Yeah, beautiful, man, beautiful, beautiful. Lovely, lovely piece, man. Yeah. You know uh, what's unusual? What's unusual is Ron Carter on a bass guitar. Yeah, yeah, because he usually plays to stand up. Exactly. Now I'm going to see, folks, if I I can play that, uh, get that piece that I said I was going to play before called Duck. And let's see if we can uh, play it for you now. Today was the first time we ever saw it. (laughs) So... With your help, Eddie Harris, Cold Duck, folks. This is called Cold Duck Time.
Cold Duck Time, Eddie Harris. Cold Duck Time with uh, Eddie Harris on that tenor sax, electrified tenor sax. Les McCann on the piano. Uh, Benny Bailey on that wonderful trumpet. Uh, and uh, Donald Dean on the drums. Eddie Harris, that was uh, recorded live in Switzerland called Cold Duck Time. How'd you like that piece, Larry? That was cool, man. That was real cool. I remember Cold Duck being a drink at that at that time. Uh was a uh I guess like a, like a light beer or something like that it was. Yeah, something I, I don't remember. That, yeah. yeah. Uh, but that was that was the that was the drink at the time that he was uh uh that he played that he played that uh that song. It was real cool. All right. Well, man, you know, we got about two more songs to play, folks, and then, uh, you know, we're going to go a little longer today because these pieces we got to play. When you talk about Yuma Sakila and you talk about Eddie Harris, these two songs are a must. And the first, the next song is uh, Yuma Sakila. In fact, this is my number one song by Yuma Sakila. It's called Stimula, the Cold Train. And the, stimu- the Stimula is a Zulu word for train. And this is a song in which he, he speaks about the migrant uh, coal mine workers who travel from southern parts of southern Africa uh, during the apartheid state years to work the mines for practically no pay in South Africa. Stimula. Sit back and enjoy you, Masakila. And, he, and he, play, he sings this and plays this with such emotions. from Namibia and Malawi. There's a train that comes from Zambia and Zimbabwe. There's a train that comes from Angola and Mozambique. From Lesotho, from Botswana, from Swaziland. From all the hinterlands of Southern and Central Africa, this train carries young and old African men who are conscripted to come and work on contract in the gold and mineral mines of Johannesburg and its surrounding metropoli. 16 hours or more a day for almost no pay. Deep, deep, deep down in the belly of the earth when they are digging and drilling for that shiny, mighty, evasive stone or when they dish that mishmash mash food into their iron plates with the iron shovel. Or when they sit in their stinky, funky, filthy, flea-ridden barracks and hostels, they think about the loved ones they may never see again, 
because they might already have been forcibly removed from where they last left them or wantonly murdered in the dead of night by roving and marauding gangs of no particular origin we are told they think about their lands and their herds that were taken away from them with the gun and the bomb and the tear gas and the gatling and the cannon and when they hear that choo-choo train a chugging and a pumping and a smoking and a pushing and a pumping and a crying and a steaming and a chicken and a what? what? They always curse and they curse the coal train, the coal train that brought them to Johannesburg.
Sihambanga Sihambanga Malate Sivelletala Kupayi Sangelata Wakota Hebabe What is this? You must have killed her. <laughs> Stimula. The cold train. 
In South Africa, you know, the, the equivalent of their Labor Day is the South African Workers' Day. And that's their theme song, man. And what a powerful, powerful song, the way he portrays this, man. You can feel it, Larry. Yeah, it imitates like, oh, the train, the whistle. Oh, everything is there, you know, even the feeling of the, the downtrodden. You can yeah, feel workers, like when you, you feel, feel the working, you yeah. can feel it in the song. Yeah, yeah, that's beautiful. That's when somebody is able to convey that message that way that you can actually feel it. Exactly, that person is is very talented and powerful. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. a gift. That's a talent. I know, and and to sing on such an important social issue at that time that you know, hey, you know. Uh, the exploitation of these Africans, man, and he, this this song always takes me, man. It always takes me. I didn't realize that it, would, it that they were exploiting people from all over that region, not oh, only yeah. just oh, South yeah. Africans, oh, yeah. Zambians and and Mozambicans yeah. and and all the other yeah because people you know, that are right around that area exactly all Southern know. Africa because you know the the diamond industry was so big yeah yeah. And and you had all these corporations invested in that, in stocks and bonds and and you know and there was a big move that was successful to have these corporations to diverse their investments in South Africa, man, and that went on for ten, fifteen years almost. I remember. I remember uh, King had to diverse some of his portfolio. Yeah. 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 So uh, that was a, a powerful powerful piece about a real social issue that was that you know that's my number one you my tequila song man. that's beautiful man i love that yeah larry we're going a little over and it's it's about that time man you know um and i really enjoyed you being here brother yeah i just wanted to uh just acknowledge uh today uh this is uh 31 years after Felinda passed away, Felinda Precious was my wife, and I just wanted to acknowledge the Oh, yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So I just yeah. wanted to acknowledge that oh, yeah, my man. daughters are listening. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. I knew Felinda I, I, well, as you yeah. know. Yeah, yes, yes. Yeah, it's yeah. been 31 years. Yeah, it's been 31, 1992 man. she passed. Wow. Yeah. Wow, man. Thanks Thanks for allowing me to do that out. Hey, man, yeah, man, absolutely, brother, absolutely, man. These are... You know, we all go back, you, me, Felinda, all of us go back a long, long time. Yep, that's for sure. Yeah. Well, folks, I'm going to close out on a, on an Eddie Harris piece. And you cannot play Eddie Harris songs without playing this, this Eddie Harris and Les McCann piece Ooh. compared to what? Yeah. Uh, so... As always, folks, I'd like to thank you for listening. And until the next time, peace and love.
inside the love I'm hanging on me push and shove Possession is the motivation That is hanging up The goddamn nation Looks like we always end up In a rut Everybody now Trying to make it real Compared to what Is a killing hoes, twisted children are killing frogs. Poor dumb rednecks rolling logs, tired old ladies kissing the dogs. I hate the human love of that stinking mud. I can't use it, I'm trying to make it real compared to what. what it's for nobody gives us a rhyme or reason half a one doubt they call it treason we're chicken feathers all the way out one good god damn it I'm trying to make it real compared to what Sleeping not trying to duck the wrath of God. Preachers filling us with fright. They all trying to teach us what they think is right. They really got to be some kind of nut. I can't use it. I'm trying to make it real compared to what.
Compared to 